Lord, I'm just asking for your presence to be among us tonight and that we would be able to tap into something of your heart, not only for ourselves, but in how we can be vessels to help bring healing to those that are around us and our kids and grandkids and our, our family members especially. And so Lord, we just pray that you fill us up tonight, that you help us to get exactly what we came here for. Um, and yeah, and that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you want to say in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, the last two weeks we talked about physical healing and how the gift of healing and miracles works on your physical body. Um, but I don't know if a lot of people, I don't know that we all understand that the gift of healing actually extends to our emotional self as well and our inner life, not just our physical self. And we are, you know, triune beings. I think most everybody knows that. But we're a body, a soul, and a spirit. And so we're made in the image of God and there's three expressions of God and there's three parts of us as well. And so our spirit is the part of us that is united with Christ when we get saved. It's the eternal part of us. It's the part that, you know, when Jesus says, um, you'll be with me where I am, he was, he was explaining what it's like to have your spirit in heaven while you're here on the earth. Your spirit's connected with God. I know this is kind of weird, but um, I don't have the scriptures to put on the screen for it. But then he also says, um, Ephesians tells us that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, so it's our spirit that's actually seated there, right? And so our spirit is what connects to God. And then we have our physical body, which is our flesh, it's our flesh and bones, it's our person, and this part of us is the part that falls away when we die. And then we have our soul, which is like the glue between the two, right? And our soul houses our emotions and our mind and our, our will, and so um, in the same way that our physical body incurs problems from being in a fallen world, disease, sickness, injuries, our soul does too. And there's this really interesting verse in Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve are, are there and they've just partaken of the forbidden fruit. And then it says, and their eyes were opened. Do you guys remember that? It says they, they ate it and their eyes were opened, which is such an interesting concept because they were not blind. They were walking around seeing. So it begs the question, well, what eyes were opened in that moment? And in my opinion, it was the eyes of their soul. It was the eyes of their soul, which was not, it, our soul is not designed to lead us, right? Our soul is designed to follow our spirit. So you've got verses like, I believe it's in Romans, where it talks about um, the word of God is living and active, able to pierce joint and marrow, excuse me, divide joint and marrow, and also soul and spirit. You guys know that verse? So if you are familiar with anatomy, your joint and your marrow are so closely united that it's very hard to separate the two. So what the Bible is saying is the word of God can do that. And I think it's the same with our soul and our spirit. They're so closely connected, it's very hard to separate the two. They feel like the same, but the word of God can do that. So we've got this challenge now in this fallen nature where our soul has an opinion. Our soul has a mind of its own. Its eyes have been opened and it has a desire. And if we have woundings, if we've had trauma in our life, if we've had hurtful situations, which everyone has, um, then our woundings have a voice through our soul, right? But the voice of our wounding is not like a precious lullaby. Like it doesn't, it doesn't sound good. It sounds really bad. This is where we get that phrase, hurt people, hurt people. You guys familiar with that? Because when our soul is holding a wounding, then it wants to release that. And the only way it can release it, you know, it's, it's a fallen perception, but it feels like the only way to release that is by hurting someone else, which is a momentary relief. Because now I feel a little bit justified, right? When, I've, when somebody else is in pain, I can kind of, just a little bit. So the gift of healing extends to our soul. It extends to our emotional inner self. And that's what we're really focusing on tonight. I don't know where the phrase inner healing began. Um, obviously, it speaks to the inner parts of us that we can't see. But in my, my personal preference, I like the phrase emotional healing a lot better because it just kind of makes sense for what it is. 
it's healing our soul or soul healing. If you guys are familiar, um, there's a great verse in um, Luke chapter 19, it's verse 10. And it's, you guys probably all know this, but it's the one where Jesus said, uh, he's talking to Zacchaeus, they're just off, off of the situation where Zacchaeus gets saved, and he said, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You guys familiar with that? So that word save actually is the Greek word sozo. I'm sure a lot of you guys maybe even know that. And the sozo idea is this holistic healing. It's not just physical, it's not just mental, it's every part of you that your soul would actually prosper. And it's making the distinction about your soul, not your spirit, because that's what's housing our woundings and our past pain, right? So that's our heart. That's our heart with inner healing or emotional healing as a whole is that that, um, that part of our soul would come into a complete wholeness. And really what Jesus was saying in that moment was, yes, I came for salvation, but I also came to make you right while you're here on the earth too. Um, so I don't know about you, but I'm like, yes, God, I, I need that. Like, please do that for me. So how do we get woundings? Okay, so when we are um, going through life, right? I love to look at woundings like a big chunk of a tree and somebody with an ax. And when you take an ax real hard to the tree, there's like a piece that splinters off. Even if it's still connected, it just kind of flays a little bit. That's what it's like in our soul when we have trauma or when we have, um, it doesn't have to be abuse. It can just be really bad situations, right? A moment where it was just not good and it's seared in your mind. It's seared there because there was like an ax to your tree in that moment. And the reason why it's important for us to pay attention to our woundings is because it's the same in the spirit as it is in the natural. So if you have a wound in your body, if you don't tend it, it certainly can, not always, but it can turn septic. You can die from infection and physical wound, right? Um, and so we need to be good at healing our emotions because in that same way, it can lead to, it actually doesn't always do this, but it can lead to like demonic torment. It can lead to um, habitual cycles of self-inflicted pain and torment, all that kind of stuff. So I had this interesting experience when I was a teenager and I ran cross country. I was not good at it, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> and uh, so I ran cross country and then I ran some in college, not for not for a team, because I was like, not even close to being at that. But I just enjoyed running, and I was having this pain in my shin, and I couldn't figure out, I thought maybe I had a stress fracture. So I went to the doctor, and um, the doctor took an x-ray, and then I was in the exam room, and he brought in the, the film, because this was in like 2000, so it was before they had just the pictures, you know. And he put it up on that light board, you know what I'm talking about? And he put it up on the light board, and he turned the light on, and he took it down and turned the light off, and he was like, I'll be right back, and he left the room. I was like, what on earth is this? He comes back in about 10 minutes later. It was a really, really long time. And he said, okay, let's talk. And he puts it back up on the board and he said, you have a hole in your bone. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he goes, Do you, have you been playing soccer? I was like, yeah. He goes, this is really like, powerful that you were not, that you didn't have a broken leg. Well, I was not very good at soccer. So I was not the kind of kid who was like charging the ball or anything. But he goes, you have a hole in your bone, and I was 19 at the time, and he said, this is what happens when you grow, your bones grow, and holes are really natural, right? That's how, that's actually the way the body forms. And then the bone, hole, like it fills in the holes so that it becomes dense and strong. And he said, by now, because of how long you've been at this height, by now that hole should already be filled in. He was like, it's not like this is, um, this is not common, but it's not rare. And he said, but the problem is, because you've had this hole for so long, it can become a little hole, it can become a bed for things like cancer cells and infections and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, okay. And he said, I was gone for so long because I wanted to make sure it didn't look like there was any sign of that. He said, it really does look like just your growth is, it's just not filling in as fast as it should. He said, so I think you're okay, we're gonna monitor it, we're gonna you know, have you come back and make sure it all fills in and you'll be fine. So I'm like, that sounds 
fantastic. Um, but I hadn't thought about this in so long. And as I was preparing for tonight, the Lord brought this back to my mind and I realized this is a perfect picture of what it's like when we have wounds in our heart. Not every wound becomes something cancerous, but it can be, right? And so when we grow, as we're having these like, you know, experiences in life and we have these holes that come into our soul, and if we don't do something about them, they become little cups that hold negativity, that hold challenge, that, and then here's the crazy thing. Science is actually catching up to the fact that we're an interconnected person. And so you see all this stuff about gut health, right? You guys familiar with this? And there's all this stuff about how what happens in your gut seeps out into your whole body and it can affect your, um, your physical body as well. And then there's a lot of like, this is not concrete science yet, this part, um, but it's getting there. There's a lot of understanding that what happens in your gut, maybe that's where you think. That's what they're starting to say. Maybe you're not thinking in your brain, you're actually thinking somehow like in your system down here. And what I think is interesting is the spirit man, right, the, the part of us that's eternal, the Bible says that out of us flow, out of our bellies flow rivers of living water. And so I don't know where our soul fits in our physical person, but I'll, I'm banking on when all the science catches up, we're going to find out that our soul is somewhere in here around our digestive system and, and our emotional health absolutely affects our physical health, right? You guys are all nodding because you were like, yeah, no, I, I feel that, I know that. So, so that's why we gotta do it. That's why we gotta figure out how to get it healed, we gotta get it healed, then we gotta help everybody else get it healed so we can be walking in fullness. All right, so tonight what we're gonna do is I'm gonna talk to you about my favorite tool of emotional healing. There are hundreds of options you can use to help someone heal their soul. This is different than counseling and it's different than deliverance. It's kind of like the middle ground between the two maybe. Counseling really helps us when we're processing life, when we are um, learning where our weaknesses are so that we can set up systems to help cope, that kind of stuff, and having someone who is able to pastor you through all the challenges that you're facing. So this is not, uh, you don't need counseling and you don't need deliverance. This is a, one of many things that we need. Grant and I have been studying inner healing for the last, I don't know, 12 years probably. And so we've, we've um, studied lots of different ministries in the nation and, and done their equippings and trainings and whatnot. And what we decided after all of this was they're all right. <laughs> it's not like there's one that is the be all end all. They all have something to offer. And if we look at the things in the kingdom like a tool belt, then we kind of need all these different ministries to work together. So this is a base level class, so we're not gonna get into all the nitty gritty of all of them. But I do wanna point you to three ministries that I really like a lot. So if this is interesting to you and you are looking for a place where you can learn more, these are great places. The first one is a ministry called Theophostics. Is anybody familiar with that? A couple of you? So Theophostics is an inner healing ministry. It's not really a deliverance ministry. It's, it's emotional healing. And one of their tools called Presenting Jesus is what we're gonna talk about tonight. And this is, I did this training some like 15 years ago. It's been around for a really long time and it's incredible. Um, so that's a good one. I have not like done their training in the last, I don't know, six years. So if you get on there and you're going, what the heck is this? I'm not blindly endorsing it today. I'm just saying 15 years ago when I did it, it was fantastic. Um, so that's Theophostics. The second one is uh, the Sozo Ministries out of Bethel Church in Reading. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. My personal opinion, this is just me, I have a little bit of a challenge with the concept of the Holy Spirit being like your mom and the Father being like your dad and Jesus being like your brother. I think that's a little bit limiting. Not like it's wrong, it's just a little limiting. But other than that, I've seen so many friends have tremendous um, breakthrough through Sozo Ministries. Crestwood Vineyard and a few other churches in the area actually have trained Sozo counselors. So if you're getting to the end of tonight and you're like, man, I need a lot of this, um, that's a good resource. 
And then the third one is a ministry, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, called Restoring the Foundations, or RTF. They're more of a deliverance ministry, but man, their stuff is so good. There's a lot of biblical stuff in there. There's, it's just great. So, um, so those are three for you that are good to look into. So the different ways we can do inner healing, the first one is you can be led by someone else, and then you can be led by God. So I want us to be paying attention tonight that everything I'm talking about tonight, you can actually do on your own in your time with Jesus. Um, you don't have to have someone else with you. It helps to have someone else with you when you're getting started because then they can remember the steps and you can have to, you can just focus on what God is doing. But eventually you can absolutely get to the place where you're just doing this on your own. I was, um, I was struck by the reality. I, I literally have had so much inner healing, I probably could spend the next three years telling you stories of my own because I just, this is like such a regular thing to me. Part of it's because I had a lot that needed to be healed, but the other factor is I just love it. I love the process of experiencing God like this, and so it's become a foundational staple in how I spend time with God. And so I think that um, I want to let you guys know that you're not limited by someone else sitting down with you to do this. You're absolutely able to do this on your own. So for the first, I don't know, five years, I would do this with other people intermittently, maybe like three or four times a year when something would come up, we'd sit down, we'd pray through this stuff and it was really powerful. Eventually I figured out I could do it on, on my own and then I figured out I could do it in real time when something was difficult that was going on and it is amazing the difference it's made in my personal life, how, um, how much less trauma and most of you guys know a lot of the stuff I've been through in the last few years and it just, it doesn't land in the same way because in the midst of it you can be doing these same tools and actually avoid the wounding altogether. Um, but that's kind of like, we got to get good at what it's like in the past before you can get to that. But that's the goal, in my opinion. That's the goal, that we get so understanding of what it looks like to guard our heart, our soul, that we just flow with Jesus in that way. All right. At the end, we're going to have time for questions. So if I see some of y'all's wheels spinning. So jot them down, and you'll have time to ask them. Um, so presenting Jesus is essentially getting heaven's perspective on what has happened in your life. It's really that simple. Um, inner healing is different than counseling in the sense that you can experience tremendous breakthrough in like a five minute window, as opposed to six months of hour long counseling sessions. It's just a different tool, right? Um, it's the same way with physical healing. When you can see God do a physical healing like that, it, it can happen in your soul like that as well. So, um, okay, so presenting Jesus, this tool we're talking about tonight, essentially it's getting heaven's perspective, like I just said. It's, it's learning to look for what God was doing in the midst of your situation instead of focusing on the, uh, the, the natural circumstances of what was going on. Does that make sense? So I'm gonna tell you guys some stories in a minute of what this is like, but let me just walk you through the steps of presenting Jesus. This is one of my favorite um, tools in ministry, honestly, and I've seen the most breakthrough using this with people than anything else that we do. Um, all right, so the step one, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to bring up a memory, okay? So how many of you are familiar with the term neuroplasticity? Anybody? If you know Dr. Caroline Leaf, you know this term. It's such an interesting concept. So your brain is actually, it's tissue, but it's malleable tissue. There are parts of it that are like not malleable, it's not maneuverable, but there are parts of it that are. The brain is fascinating. So I want you to think of your brain like every other organ in your body, okay? It's different in the sense that our thoughts happen in our brain, so it feels like our brain is us, but your brain is an organ in the same way that your heart, your stomach, your liver is an organ. All these parts of your body are designed by God to work in a specific way, 
So when your brain is doing what it does, it's following the algorithm basically that God has used to design it. So this is gonna become really important in a minute. Let's talk about your uh, heart for example, right? We all know the heart beats. It beats on a certain rhythm. If it doesn't beat on that rhythm, there's a problem. Right? I was like, if you hear, if you watch, um, you know, in my home, my dad's a doctor, my mom is a nurse, and so they use words like tachycardic, like it's like coffee, you know, like, oh yeah, well, they, and I'm like, what, is that the bad one or the good one, you know? Or they'll say things like malignant and benign so often, and I'm always like, can you remind me, thumbs up, thumbs down, because I'm so, I'm so lost on what you're saying. Uh, but that's how the heart, we all know the heart has four chambers. If we eat bad foods, it's going to clog the heart. You know, like we know these things because that's how the heart works. And when then we have a liver, okay, our liver is this really fascinating organ. Did you know that your liver can regenerate itself? This is pretty crazy, right? So if you have something wrong with your liver, they can actually cut off a portion of it, and in time, it will grow itself back. Like, what? This is wild. This is 100% science. This is the um, area of expertise my dad was as a doctor, so I'm telling you the truth here. Our brain is actually the same way. Not that you can cut it off and it'll grow back, but that it can be adjusting, it can be adjusted. So neuroplasticity is this concept that what is in your subconscious can come up to the conscious mind and be adapted before it goes back down. So, little uh, nerd lesson for you. Your subconscious is what runs your life. 80 to 90% of everything you do comes out of the subconscious part of your brain. Anybody ever seen that movie Inside Out? No? Oh my gosh, if you haven't seen it, it's a Disney Pixar movie from several years ago with a little like joy and sadness. It's like, it's a beautiful picture and they get into the subconscious and they go down the stairs and it's like really dark and it's like, you know, really funny. That's how, that's actually how it really is. Your subconscious, nothing is happening actively. We're not consciously aware. The fact that you're breathing all day long and not telling yourself, breathe in, breathe out, that's your subconscious mind at work, right? So what happens when we talk about inner healing is the Holy Spirit takes you to a moment that's been stored in your subconscious and it brings it up to the front of your mind and then gives you an opportunity to let God speak into that, okay? So scientifically speaking, this is a real thing. It's called neuroplasticity. So a memory pops up, it's like thrown up from the subconscious into the frontal part of your mind. Have you ever been somewhere and you're like, I have not thought about that in forever? That's what happened to me about this bone story. I'm spending time with the Lord and I'm talking, and I'm like, how do I explain this? And it's boom, out of nowhere, I'm like, well, that's a great analogy. I didn't even, you know, <laughs> I haven't thought about that in forever. That's what it's like. So the Holy Spirit brings it up. They've been doing some research on this, and the best, um, what they believe is that when a subconscious thought comes to the forefront of your mind, you have about a 10 to 15 minute window to adjust that thought before it gets restored in the subconscious. Isn't that interesting? So when we're talking about trauma, or wounding, or pain. If we're asking God, let's say like we have a, a challenge with rejection, we have a chronic, I just consistently feel rejected, I always feel like I'm being left out, I always feel like people don't want me around, that kind of stuff. So then we ask the Holy Spirit if we're doing this model. Holy Spirit, when was the first time that I ever felt rejected? And then he goes into your subconscious and he pulls out that memory and he brings it to the front of your mind. Now you have a window of opportunity to let God reshape that before it goes back down. Now science will tell you, if you don't reshape it, when it goes into the subconscious, it actually hardens firmer and becomes more solid. It's interesting, right? I know, right? Not good, <laughs> not good. So if we're asking the Lord to unearth and, and expose lies and help us have freedom, then we have to do something about it when it comes up because we can actually end up having a challenge on the back end. So here's what it looks like. A memory comes up, God gives you an opportunity to, to do something with it, okay? So we're asking the Lord, God, what was the first time I ever felt this way? Holy Spirit brings a memory. 
In this model, the second step that we do is we allow ourselves to feel and connect to that memory, okay? This is very difficult if it's like serious trauma. So this, if you're gonna be doing that kind of stuff, make sure you've got somebody with you that can help you like stay focused. A lot of people don't like this kind of inner healing because they feel like it's guided imagery or it's focusing too much on the negative in your life. But my opinion is we're doing this for maybe five minutes. It's not, it's not like I'm asking you to sit in this for the next week and just, well, no, no, no. We're like, get what needs to be done, get over it kind of deal. And so, the, uh, so you allow yourself to connect and feel. So when I'm ministering this to somebody, and we're actually going to do this in a little bit, um, if the Lord's bringing up something for you, we'll do it all together so it's not like anybody's going to be on display. Um, but basically, if, you, if the Lord brings up a memory, for me, one of the first times I did this, it was specifically related to rejection, and I was like, I, don't re I just have felt rejected my whole life. I don't remember the first time I ever felt that. So we're like, all right, let's just ask the Holy Spirit. He brings up this memory of when I was about three or four years old, and all the neighborhood kids were all boys. They were my brother's age. He's two years older than me. And they'd run from house to house and do that thing, right? And I was following them, and somebody slammed the door in my face. I mean, you know, it's a kid thing to do. But that was the first moment that the Holy Spirit pulled up that I had felt really rejected and left out. So we don't have to go through every single time. If we can get to where the door opened, the Holy Spirit can do his thing and actually kind of heal the line of all of it. There's some science that actually connects that as well. But isn't that interesting? So, he, so you bring up this memory, you connect to it, you let yourself try if you can to feel, we're not forcing anything, but try to feel what it was like to be in that situation. And then this third step is the presenting Jesus step. So we simply pray this prayer, Holy Spirit, show me what Jesus was doing in this moment. Show me what Jesus was doing. And then with your eyes closed, we just sort of scan the room of our mind where we are in that situation and we're looking for what Jesus is doing. I'm gonna tell you some examples in a few minutes of what that's like. And then once we see what God is doing, then we allow him to do that, right? We allow him to speak to us if he's saying something, to give us something, if he's doing that, whatever he is doing. And then the final step is really just to seal it up. So sometimes what Jesus is doing makes us aware that we need to repent. Like, wow, we were way off base, we were a factor in this situation or whatever, we were in sin, whatever. So we need to repent from that. Sometimes in that moment, we realized there was a stronghold that came in. There was something from the enemy that came in and attached itself to that wounding. So we want to remove that. We want to rebuke it, right? That's the last step is just sealing it up, cleaning up whatever needs to be cleaned, and that's it. It sounds overly simplistic, right? <laughs> it sounds a little bit like a get-rich-quick scheme. Like, I'm telling you guys, four steps and you'll be healed kind of deal. But actually, I am telling you in four steps, like, you'll be healed. So let me tell you a couple of um, testimonies. One of the, I was a part of three of these. One of them, I was in the training that I was in. And this is actually a pretty dramatic story. And so just fair warning for that this first one, but there was a woman who had, um, this was in the training that I did like 15 years ago. She allowed them to videotape her for the, for the training so other people could watch what this was like. So she had had an experience where when her son was like three years old, they were at home, she was a stay-at-home mom, and she hadn't heard from him in a while, you know. It says, makes you wonder, okay, this is bad. I haven't heard, your, heard a peep, so you probably gotta be doing something wrong. So she goes to the house, she's calling his name, he's not answering, she gets to his room or playroom, I can't remember, and he, was, he had gotten somehow tangled in the blind string, and he was hanging from the blinds. 
and he was totally blue and purple, and of course this caused unbelievable panic in this moment. He did live, so that we don't have to, you don't have to wonder where we're going in this story. And so she rushes over, she gets him untangled, you know, she calls 911, and he, and he lives. But she said in this interview, she said, I have never felt like I was a, a fit mother again. I think he was maybe 15 at this point. This was like a very long amount of time had passed. And she said, I constantly remember this moment. I have just felt like my, my motherhood was taken from me, like I'm such a terrible person. And so they, they began to say, okay, let, we're, gonna, you know, we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to comfort you while we go back to this memory. We're gonna let that memory come up to the forefront and we're gonna ask Jesus what was he doing in the midst of this. And so she closes her eyes and, um, and she begins to cry, like really, really cry. And so after she settled down for a minute, he said, did you feel like God showed you anything? And she said, when I went back into that moment, Jesus showed me that he was standing behind my son and he was holding him up like this so that he wouldn't die. I was like, you know, and she said, I've blamed myself all this time, but I realized that Jesus in his mercy, she was like, I was looking at it wrong, right? I should have been looking at the mercy of God to rescue him, to preserve his life. And instead I was looking at condemnation. And so they prayed, he ministered to her, they, you know, sealed it up, they removed all the guilt and all that kind of stuff. And she, her whole countenance, everything was just so much better and brighter and lighter because she encountered what Jesus was doing in the midst of her greatest pain. It's incredible, right? Um, another story, this is a friend of mine, we were doing some ministry together and um, she, she was having a I think it was a rejection complex, just feeling really unworthy, just this chronic unworthiness. And so we just began to talk and I said, you know, would you be willing for us to just go back to one of those times and just ask the Lord what he was thinking about that? Because clearly God does not want you to live under the weight of this. She said, yeah, that's fine. And so we, we asked the Lord, you know, would you remind her of a time that this was happening? And what God reminded her of was a situation where she was with a family member and the family member was really mad at her and they were, they were just berating her with really cutting words, very difficult things to hear, you know. And, um, and I, I asked her, okay, so I want you to, best of your ability, I want you to try to connect with that moment. And she said, okay. And I said, just, just keep your eyes closed. Just nod your head when you feel like you're there, right? Just nod your head when you feel like you've connected. She nods her head. I said, now we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit, would you show what Jesus was doing in this moment? And often we begin to cry because it's very powerful to see what God was thinking. And she said, she started crying and so after a few minutes, because it takes a little while sometimes to be able to say what you experience, especially if it's a very tender thing to you. And so um, I said, what did you feel like? Did you feel like God said something? It's, we're gonna get into how to do this with other people, but it's, it's unbelievably awkward when you're on the other side because you're just kind of like waiting and like can't tell always if the tears are good tears or bad tears, you know? Um, and she said, what happened was I was in that moment, I was remembering these things that were said to me and then Jesus showed me that he actually stepped in front of me and I saw the words like knives and they were hitting him and bouncing off and they weren't actually touching me. And, uh, and she said, I realized that I was letting them come. I was bringing them to myself instead of letting Jesus take the brunt, instead of letting him be my protector. I thought, oh my gosh, right? That is powerful. And this huge burden was lifted off her. And I'm telling you, when we get to this type of understanding, all the subsequent things that happen after that, now they're rectified in a different way that bring additional healing. It's like an exponential factor. It's like a time release pill, right? Where a little bit releases after 12 hours, some more at 18 hours. It's, it's like that. Sorry, I have such a medical world right now. Um, so another story, and then I'm, gonna, so I'm telling you some intense ones, and I'm going to tell you a really simple one as well. Um, one of my friends who was um, uh, just 
she was trafficked, sexually trafficked by her family is a horrible, horrible story um, and a lot of pain and trauma and she was victimized too many times than you could possibly count. And we were having a conversation, she'd been through a lot of therapy and whatnot, but the, her journey to healing was long, very long. Um, and so we were, I said, would you, could we do this? Could we just do this and see what happens? Because I was kind of curious, you know, you're just not going to hurt you probably. <laughs> so we did this and, um, and she said the Lord took her back to this particular moment because when you've had habitual trauma like that, there's usually a handful of memories that stand out and the rest kind of just blur. I don't know why, but that's kind of how the brain is. It only stores some and the rest just kind of fade away. And so she said in that moment, um, she said, what would, she, okay, so getting ahead of myself. So we had her close her eyes. We had her ask the Lord, what's a memory that you want to heal? Immediately, she was reminded of a situation where she was being victimized. And, uh, and, I, and I said, okay, um, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you what Jesus was doing. And so she was quiet for a minute, and she kind of had a puzzled look on her face. And about two or three minutes went by, and I said, do you feel like God is showing you anything? And she said, yeah, I see Jesus. He's in the corner of the room, and he's standing like this. And he's like, just doesn't care. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> that doesn't sound like the Jesus that I know, right? I said, he's not doing anything. He's just sitting there like, that's it? She was like, yeah. I said, all right, we're going to regroup. We're going to reset. And I told her, I don't think this is Jesus. Why? Because we're judging against the scriptures and this is not who God is. He's so compassionate. He brings freedom. So we prayed. We asked the Lord to take that thought out of her mind, that memory out of her mind. And, and so we waited again. This time she began to cry. And she said, the Lord showed me. She said, I had never thought about it this way. And I know this is graphic, but uh, especially since we're all ladies, I think we'll understand this at some level. She said, I, when I would be being abused, when I would be sold, she said, there was a place I would go in my mind where I would detach from what was actually happening. <clears throat> and it was this specific place, this really serene, beautiful, safe place. And she said, I would just go out of my mind and I would go to this little place while everything was happening. And when it was over, I'd just come to and that was how it was. And she said, when I was waiting on the Lord the second time, Jesus showed me that he actually created that place for me and he would take me there. There were a lot of tears in that particular session from both of us. And, um, and what she said was, I, I didn't know that that was God. And she said, and the Lord began to speak to her and say, I could not liberate you yet. He did liberate her later, but he said, I couldn't liberate you yet because of things that were beyond his control. He said, so I wanted to make sure you had a place of safety. That's what the Lord told her while she was asking the Holy Spirit, show me what Jesus was doing. And her perception changed a little bit. There was a lot of healing that needed to happen. So I, I'm not going to say that was the only thing that, you know, revolutionized her. It was just one step in the process. But wow, right? On the very simple scale, on the whole other side, just swing to the other side. Um, I told you guys I could tell you stories for the, you know, for the rest of the night about my own personal experiences in this exact same thing. But when I was in college, I was um, in the middle of, of, my family was really going through a lot of challenge. And there was a lot of wounding and a lot of speaking out of that place of wounding that was happening. And on one particular time, it was right before Thanksgiving, um, my family, at, like they just got really angry at each other and it became this really nasty thing and it really broke my heart. Um, and I was praying and I was asking the Lord, I don't know what to do about this and I don't know how to think about this. Like I can't, I don't know what's right, you know, and we were just in this, in my time with the Lord. And God spoke to me and he said, this particular person who was really the, the, key, the, the key instigator, he said, this particular person is doing the best they can. I was like, what are you talking about, Lord? They're doing a terrible job at being a human. That was how I felt, you know, like there's none of this is good. 
And God began to show me, he said, because, and I knew there was some trauma in their past as a child, and, and God began to show me that this particular person, because of the trauma, and they weren't a believer, he said, by their own strength, this is the best of what they have to offer, and I see that and I know that, I'm doing my best to make up the difference. And something shifted in my heart, and from that point forward, I was able to forgive that person, and I was actually able to, like, the projection of my life and all my family's life, they went one way with this person, and I kind of went a different way, and it was because God began to show me, here's what heaven thinks about what's happening here, and it was my choice to choose to partner with that or to partner with the wounding. Does that make sense? So a really simple story, a really small encounter that actually revolutionized my life and my perception because every time we would be in a situation where more hurtful things would be said, that was running in my mind was not that God was okay with it, you know, it's not that, but it was God saying, listen, there's a grace for you. There's a grace for you to navigate this because, you know, because I've given you that. So um, that's a couple of testimonies of what it looks like and what we're going for with this particular process. We're really looking for what is Jesus doing in the midst of this moment? When we are talking about the traumas that we go through or the, the challenging things that we go through, it's not that we have to sit down and say, all right, God, I want to be whole. Let's dig up every single thing, <laughs> right? Some of us are wired like that, and, and we're like, give me all of it right now. Like, I, you know, and we can actually unearth more than what we need to. I think what the Lord is looking for is when we find, like, a, I like to look at it like, a, um, like a, a bungee cord, right? If we're running on those inflatables that have the bungee cord, you know, eventually you're going to be yanked back. It's in the yanking back that we stop and say, maybe I need some inner healing for this. We don't have to every single day go, what do I need healing for today, Lord? Open me up, you know. You can, I guess, but it might be really unnecessarily hard. Um, it's just like David prayed in the Psalms, search me, Lord, know my heart, see if there's any, some translations say anxious things, others say offensive thing in me. This is really what inner healing is. David perfected this without even having the Holy Spirit inside of him. It's pretty impressive. Um, but just opening your heart to God, right? I think for us, what we have to do is get comfortable with being vulnerable with the Lord and letting him be our safe place. Often when we have these woundings and we have challenges and, and situations, we actually pull back from God and God feels like not the safe place and our self-preservation feels like the safe place. But if we can train our minds to say, all right, no, Lord, you are the safe place. It's just my perception of what was happening that caused me to think otherwise. Then we get good at offering our hearts vulnerably to the Lord, and then we get to receive his healing. Does that make sense? All right, so quick show of hands. How many of you guys, while I'm talking, already have a thought of like, I probably need healing in this particular area? Anybody already like have something in your mind? A couple of you? Great. It's okay if you don't. Um, so what I want to do is I want us to take a few minutes and just practice this for ourselves. Uh, there's no pressure, okay? So if we pressure ourselves, we end up getting kind of weird. So don't, don't pressure yourself. <laughs> and if you're sitting here and you're like, nothing is coming, totally fine. Just think about what these steps are so you can save them for later. Um, but I'm going to just lead you guys through this process of a prayer. So I've been doing this with a youth camp in town for the last couple of years, actually. And we do a, a teaching on in the summer on um, how to hear God's voice. And then the back end is how to step into these encounters with the Lord. And it's crazy because every time their testimony is like, it's like, it's like Jesus is just waiting for an invitation to get to show you what he was thinking about our pain. And it's so simple and so easy, and it's, it's just a matter of perception, right? It's a matter of us being willing to invite him in. I mean, the Bible says he stands at the door and knocks, not that his SWAT team breaks it down, right? There's a verse in Isaiah, I think it's chapter, I don't know, 
in the 50s or 60s, but I preached a message on this several years ago, but it talks about the jail cell being opened and then it's our right to walk out. And it's this really interesting fine distinction that Jesus doesn't open the jail cell and then yank you out. He puts the key in the lock, he opens the door and then he lets you decide what you wanna do. And this is the same thing as that, right? He stands at the door and he knocks and he's waiting. He's like counting down for that moment to show you so that he can liberate you from this pain. It's just really up to us to invite him in. So, um, so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray and we're just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to, um, so I'm gonna, you, you guys can close your eyes. You don't have to, but if you're comfortable closing your eyes, you can do that um, just to stay focused really more than anything. I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to bring up a memory. If you're like, I'm not interested, just be like, no thanks, Lord, and he will respect that, okay? So again, this is not a forced inner healing for all people moment right now, but I do want us to practice this and get to see. So, um, so I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to bring up a memory, and then I'm gonna lead you guys through these steps so that you can see a little bit what it's like for yourself, okay? All right, so if you're not good with that, just cover yourself and um, I'll pray for everyone but you. So, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, all right, so Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you are here right now. And Lord, we invite you into our emotional self, into our soul. And we ask you, Lord, right now to bring, up, um, to bring us to a place of healing and wholeness and to bring some breakthrough for us. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would reveal what is a memory that you want to speak into tonight? So what you're doing is you guys are just emptying your mind, you're just focusing on God and letting him bring up what he wants to bring up. And we're gonna take just a little bit of time in between each thing just to make sure everybody has a chance to kind of get there. So, so Holy Spirit, what's a memory that you want to heal in our hearts tonight? Okay, so if you've got that memory in your mind, you may already be doing this, but I just encourage you right now to let yourself connect to that memory. Let yourself, if you can, feel what you were feeling in that moment. We're not gonna take long to do this, but um, you can try to you know, picture the room that you were in, if you were in a room. Just let yourself connect to that memory right now. Okay, so now we're gonna just begin to scan the room or the situation that you're in and start looking for what Jesus is doing. So Holy Spirit, would you reveal what was Jesus doing in the midst of this moment in our lives? And if it doesn't feel like it's God, just reject that and start over. Holy Spirit, what was Jesus doing in the midst of this situation? How is he acting? How is he helping me? Keep your eyes closed, but just give me a show of hands. Those of you guys that are um, waiting on the Lord, did you already have you felt like you've seen what Jesus was doing? 
Okay, we're going to take about one more minute. Holy Spirit, just show us what was Jesus doing in the midst of this situation? Okay, so the final step of this is we're just going to seal up what God was saying. So if you feel in your heart like there's something you need to pray, whether it's to repent or, or rebuke or reject something, you go ahead and do that in your heart, and I'm going to pray for you. We just seal up the situation in the blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for heaven's perspective. Father, we ask right now that you take away all the pain associated to this memory. We ask right now that you heal our emotions, and our soul related to this situation, every effect that came in because of this. And Lord, for those that this um, um, situation was a doorway to others, God, we ask for a continual healing over ourselves, over every other memory that falls under this category. And Lord, I speak a full and complete uh, uh, emotional and inner healing over each and every one of us tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. relatively painless, right? <laughs> it depends on the memory. Sometimes it's not really fair to say that. Um, I didn't want us to do an activation where we were together because sometimes when you're talking about some of the pain of your heart, it's like not so fun to, uh, to say that to people. Maybe you weren't anticipating airing out all of your, you know, darkness. Um, but I wondered, and there's no pressure, but I wondered if anybody wanted to share what you felt like God was doing in you right now. That's, I love that. I, lo I love too that, when you're asking the Lord to show you something like this, one of the ways we know it's God is that we did not come up with those thoughts. They didn't originate within us. They came from, you know, it's like when you're daydreaming and you're the one fueling the daydream and you know you're thinking about the next step versus when it's just happening to you. That's one of the, one of the ways that we can tell is this God. So um, I want to talk for just a few minutes about the process of ministering to other people with this and then um, and then we can take questions and any, uh, or if you guys, I'm also, I'm like, Grant knows how to do these prayer steps. We, so if you're like, man, I want to get some breakthrough before I leave, don't leave without getting that. Um, but I think that for us, we, like I said at the beginning, we need to get good at being vulnerable with the Lord so that he can speak this stuff into us. And then we get to go and be healing agents to other people. And I'm telling you, man, I would not be who I am without like Grant and one or two other people in my life who have stopped me in the midst of my pain and said, hey, hold up. Let's take this to the Lord. Let's see what God is saying about this because otherwise we just keep feeling it and we just think that's how it is and we look for ways to cope and we never actually get resolve. But the gift of healing actually brings us to a place of resolve. So, um, so this is, it's this simple. It's these four steps. It's really just asking the Holy Spirit to bring up a memory. Um, it's a, you know asking the person to connect to that memory asking the Holy Spirit to show you what Jesus is doing and then praying on the back end. So it's, it's really simple. But there's a couple of things to watch out for in this process that um, if you think you're gonna be helping others, this is just great things to know. The first one is you can't force it because we're talking about the plane of our imagination and so it's, it is a really fine line, right? Um, so we can imagine something God would do and that might bring a small relief but it's when God is actually doing it that brings the healing. Does that make sense? So I can imagine God would say this to me in this situation, but when he actually says what he's doing, 
that's when the healing comes. So at least for me, when we're forcing it, or, or when you're in a conversation with somebody and you're like, wow, this is a real place of tenderness for you, this is a real wounding, you should get healed, and the other person's like, I don't know. If we keep going, no, you should, you should, you should, you, you might end up accidentally opening up them to just have like an imagination that's not actually gonna be as powerful. So, um, so don't force it, that's like a, a huge one. Prompt, right? That's not an excuse to like not bring it up, but don't force it. Um, the second thing is don't let the enemy take over. And this is a really big one, and, and I don't know, I think when we do our um, deliverance and spiritual warfare equipping in a couple of weeks, we might, we're gonna talk a lot more about this, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to mention it for tonight because what we expect the enemy to do is what he will do because we've just given him permission to do that. Does that make sense? So the enemy only, he's only allowed to do what we give him authority to do. So when we're in like a deliverance setting, for example, if we expect deliverance to come, like there's a ministry that we know in Georgia that, um, and actually in other parts of the world, this is pretty common too, that when people are delivered of demons, they burp. That's how the demon comes out. They burp. It's very weird. Okay. But that's what they expect to happen. So guess what happens? <laughs> they burp, Right. I know other ministries that, and this, for some of you guys, this might sound crazy, but it's true. For other ministries, they genuinely believe for you, when you get delivered of a demon, you will vomit. And so that's what they expect. So I was listening to somebody tell me this story. This is such an interesting story. But they were talking about, you know, actually multiple people have talked to me about this. Rooms where they're doing group deliverance and they pass out like barf bags. Because they're like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to throw up, right? And that might happen. Like, it might, it might happen. But most of the time, if that's what we're thinking is going to happen, our expectation has then just given the enemy permission to do that. So in my personal opinion, we don't need any manifestations of the enemy. Thank you. I see that hand in the back. Yes. Um, sometimes manifestations do happen. I, I remember being in a deliverance session for myself about... I don't know, eight, eight, nine years ago. And um, I was being delivered of this demon and I, um, and I felt it, I felt it on my neck and it was really intense and it was really awkward. And it, I got really, really hot and I felt like something was like pulling off of me like that. And when it was gone, I looked at my friend who was doing the ministry with me and I was like, I just felt that. And I, I genuinely believe we don't need to feel manifestation. So I've only experienced this maybe one, maybe two times in my life. And I've been through a lot of deliverance. So, um, and so he said, you know, the Lord wanted you to feel that. I thought this is such wisdom. He said, the Lord wanted you to feel that because he wanted you to understand this was a spirit. This wasn't just what you were thinking, right? So there are times where Jesus will do that, but we let that go to Jesus' discretion, not ours. So when I'm in a set setting where I'm like, oh, you know, one of my friends always says, there were some friends there, right? <laughs> There were some other uninvited guests that came in that situation. Um, in those moments, my go-to prayer is always, we forbid every manifestation. We need no communication with the kingdom of darkness for us to step into our authority. We don't need, you know, the enemy's a liar anyway. We don't need any of that. If Jesus needs that to happen, he will bypass our prayer because he's God, right? Um, so we don't let the enemy take over. So if you're in a situation, and like what I, the testimony I share with you guys where my friend saw the picture of Jesus standing in the corner and it wasn't God, um, if we're not careful in those, if we're, by careful I mean if we're not on alert, we're not using our discernment, we're not paying attention to God, if we're not doing that, then the enemy can kind of take over and actually sow a seed of destruction instead of bringing liberation. So we just have to, when we're praying for other people, we ought to just remember, all right, we're not letting the enemy take over. This is God. Right, God is going to bring you healing and we're gonna wait for the Lord to do that. Um, and in the meantime, ain't 
Ain't no room for the enemy. You know what I mean? Um, the third thing, there's just four of these. The third thing is uh, check your Bible. So I've been in a lot of these settings uh, with this particular prayer, and there are some weird things that Jesus does in these moments. And some of them are real weird, like not as even weird as like the picture of him standing in the corner, you know? And so we got to know the word so that we can say, I, this does not sound like the Lord. Like God's not, for example, God's not going to um, inflict harm on someone else. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's like, the battle's not against flesh and blood. We are all God's kids, even if it's some terrible person. He might bring judgment, but in your mind's eye, his, his vengeance for you is not gonna be hurting someone else. Like, do you know what I'm saying? So we have to check it to the Bible. And so if you're the one walking someone through it, I just really encourage you to have the guts to say, hey, I don't know if that sounds like God. If it turns out to be the Lord, he'll take care of that. But for us, we want to make sure that we're helping lead the person appropriately. Um, the fourth one, which kind of goes to that as well, is just watch the fruit. So the Bible tells us we can tell the spirit by the fruit it produces, right? So in time, you're going to be able to tell. Are you closer to Jesus? Well, that probably wasn't the enemy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are you withdrawing from God? Wait a second. That might not have been Jesus in your picture that you had. Like there is a thing of the Antichrist, right? That's in the Bible. So there is, the enemy does like to use a counterfeit picture of Jesus to lead us away from God. That happens. So uh, it's not common per se, but it does happen. So we just need to watch the fruit. For me, this is what I do in my life all the time because I have a very um, active imagination with the Lord. And I encounter the Lord a lot in what feels like an imagination. And I was so frustrated about that for a long time because I thought, Lord, I don't want to be led astray. I don't want to create my own, you know, whatever. Uh, actually, the fifth point would be that we don't create theology off of our experiences. Um, and so I, I was like, I'm not going to do that, but I also, I don't know what to do with this. And I just, I felt like the Lord gave me this promise. If you will watch the fruit, you will be able to tell. So what I do is if I have this weird, bizarre thing with the Lord, um, like for example, I had an encounter with the Lord. It's not really inner healing, but it kind of fits in this realm. Um, I was in an impartation time at a conference. I went down on the ground, and while I was down there, I saw this in, in my, um, I had a vision of this staircase leading up really high, like a very narrow, steep, treacherous staircase. <laughs> and at the top of it was a door. And I knew I was supposed to walk up the stairs. And I was like, I am not doing that. It didn't have like spider webs or anything, but I was like, that doesn't sound good. And then the Lord very gently said, you should go up those stairs. And I said, I don't know if I'm going to do that. And the Lord said to me in this very aggressive tone, not angry, but very aggressive. He said, have I not proven myself trustworthy to you yet? I was like, I am very sorry, Lord. Yes, yes, you have. <laughs> I will try to get up those stairs. So I get up to the top of the stairs and the door opens and the Lord took me into this other part, which was, was a promise for me about some things in ministry and stuff like that. And I would have missed it if I had, I don't know why I had to walk up the stairs. I don't know. But the tone of his voice really bothered me because I was like, that feels not like you, God. And so I did what I've trained myself to do. I'm gonna watch the fruit. I'm not just going to assume everything that happens to me is God right? A lot of times it's our flesh. Sometimes it's the enemy. So in time, what I began to realize was, was it was God and he was being direct because I needed that. And a really beautiful thing happened in my life because of that encounter that the enemy would never let happen. That's just not his plan for our lives. So because of that, I, I, my best advice to you with all this kind of stuff is watch the fruit. Watch what's happening in your life as you're doing this, especially if you're um, doing this kind of stuff in your time with the Lord by yourself, which I encourage you to do, but then you just got to take a note of it, you know, 
pay attention to it, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, go ahead. Okay, great. I'm so glad. Um, the other one is we need to actively reject what isn't God. Because sometimes we can just sort of sit with it and we know it's not the Lord, but we let it stay around. If we know this isn't God with all things in life, but especially like things we have, because we're talking about the privacy of our own heart, right? So no one but you and the Lord really knows what's going on in there. So if you have a picture that's not God, we have to actively reject it. Um, and so it's, it's very simple. It's just the action of saying, that's not the Lord. I don't want that to stay in my mind or whatever prayer the Lord leads you to pray. You don't have to go on for days, you know, taking it captive, 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 but just actively reject it. All right, two other quick things. Um, I said this earlier, but let me just say it again in the context of this. It is so awkward to do this kind of ministry with other people, okay? Because the silence is necessary but if you're like me, silence is not golden. It is like very, very dark. And so um, I actually use timers a lot of times. Like nobody knows this, but like I'll put it on my phone because 30 seconds can feel like 30 minutes to me because my brain is like, <laughs> you know, all over the place. And then I like walk away from the Lord, not in my life, but like start thinking about my laundry list and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh no, I'm supposed to be here interceding for you to have this moment with God. Um, so when you're first getting started, especially do whatever you need to do to resist the awkwardness and to make space. Like, like for you, uh, you know, that's so beautiful. It took a little while for the Lord to connect that for her. Right. And that's so normal. I mean, that is so normal. Sometimes it takes five more than five minutes for people to like feel what God is doing um, or see what he's doing. And so that if we just rush through it because we feel awkward, we can end up like robbing the Lord of what he wants to do. So just embrace it. Embrace the awkwardness. That's for you, Michelle, too. So just <clears throat> embrace the awkwardness. I'm just messing with you. Um, all right. And then the last thing I want to mention about this, and then I might have more if you guys have questions about this, but be bold to take people into this kind of prayer ministry. So I remember one time Grant and I were in this semi-argument. It wasn't an argument. It was just I was really hurt, and I was like, not about something he did. I was just feeling it. And in my talking about it, it was unearthing more pain. Does anybody ever know that, right? And so my tone started getting more intense, and I was thinking to myself in the middle of the conversation, I'm not even upset with you at all, but now I'm like finding reasons to be upset with you because I've tapped into this pain. And I mean, he, he's so gracious about this, but there's been so many times where he's like, let's stop right there, and why don't we just take that to the Lord? Now, I don't have to, right? I can tell him no. But I have another friend in my life who's a mentor, and if I'm having, a, like, a rough season and I'll talk to her, and she's like, you know what? Let's circle back to that. Let's take a few minutes to ask the Lord to speak into that place. It just takes a moment of boldness to get us on track to open us up into something really beautiful, right? So that's my, my encouragement to you guys is when you're with your kids, oh, this is powerful. So my son, my oldest son, when he was um, three, four, I think he was four, somewhere in that age, he had this really bad dream. And the dream was really traumatic and it was, it was just really bad. In the dream, part of it was he had been pinned to this wall and Jesus just walked right past him and didn't care. And I was like, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> like, that was so bad. We are not, I don't know what to do about that, but we are not letting that, like, my, that memory stick in your mind. And so we prayed and, and we talked about it and we asked the Lord to speak into that place. And, um, and the Lord brought a little bit of peace and we, you know, confronted, this is not God's character. And so as we were praying, we were asking the Lord to reverse that. And the next night, he actually had an encounter where Jesus came into his room and woke him up and told him, that was not me. And uh, yeah, talk about over cereal. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> 
uh, out of the mouth of babes, right? But as parents, if we're, if we're aware of this, then when our kids go through difficult things, we can start to point them towards what God is doing in the midst of it, and it can help mitigate some of the wounding. No one gets through life unscathed, right? So we're not going to be able to like totally protect them in every way, but we can help them learn those tools to see, all right, so you know, one of my kids has a lot of fear. Well, they all had a lot of fear at some point in time or another. But it's like stopping and saying, all right, let's talk about the fear. Let's, let's, let's let Jesus speak into this right now. Let's look for him. What is Jesus doing in this moment? And, you know, maybe 50% of the time, they're not perfect at it or great at it, but 50% of the time it's like, oh, this is what God is doing and it is the Lord and we get to take that and remember it and talk about it and make it part of their worldview that really helps. So, um, okay, so questions. That's all I got for what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yes, it did. Such a great question. Yes, the hole closed up. Yeah, it's to my knowledge anyway. I know, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, yes, I do believe it has closed up. Yeah. I went back and it was mostly closed, so they were like, it'll, it'll be going that way. Yes. And you said something after that, and it was basically like he created this place because he couldn't do anything about her. Can you explain that to me? Yes. In her particular, so God is, is. Like it seemed like there was a limit. Yes, yes. So the limit was the human, the human component. Yeah. Yes. So in her situation, actually, uh, it's, it's. It's so aggravating, and I think for every traffic victim, there's situations like this. God does work to raise up vindicators, and it's up, it's really like he's limited to their ability to have the boldness. So there was about three people in her life who had a sense that some of this was going on. Um, one of them was a doctor who actually buried all the information because um, of some really corrupt stuff. Um, actually, this girl went on to change one of the laws in Wyoming about um, where you could no longer be convicted of being a prostitute if you were trafficked, and they actually repaid restitution for all the women who were imprisoned for being prostitutes who were actually trafficked. Um, so incredible. But, um, but it was like there was things like that. So there was a family member who kind of had a sense but just didn't want to go there, stuff like that. And I think that does, it's, the Lord is really limited to people, um, and that was, that was what he was saying. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a great question, yeah, so. It's the free will. It's the free will, 100%, yeah. And she was so young that she had no ability on her own, yeah. Pretty much as soon as she was able to, she actually got a job and um, a coworker was like, what's going on with you? You need to go to counseling. And so she went to counseling and that's where she disclosed this and that's actually how she got free. So uh, it's really the grace of God to connect her to the, in the boldness of this person working at this fast food restaurant to be like, mm, something ain't right about that, you know? And she didn't even know. This other person didn't even understand what she was saying. But, but somebody finally was able to do, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll agree with what you're doing. So other questions? Yeah. Yes. So um, step three is show me what Jesus was doing in this moment. Yes. Yes. Okay, so what I was saying, thank you for clarifying. What I was saying was when we imagine what God is doing, that can bring a small amount of power. But when, we actually, when he actually like does or says or shows however he wants okay. to do it. Okay. 
Yeah, for, I've actually, I've been in this setting where people have said, Jesus said this to me about it. Other times he's interacted with them and never said anything. Other times it's just where he was standing in the room. So it's kind of just different. But yeah, it's the difference between I'm assuming this is what God is doing and this is actually what God is doing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, how do you spell theophostic? T-H-E-O-P-H-O-S-T-I-C-S. It's been a long time since I spelled that word. <laughs> Onomatopoeia, O-M. So I have studied trauma a lot. That was a focus of mine when I was doing my master's. And one of the... Coping. Or one of the, the uh, philosophies was that you, it, it's funny because it's the first two steps, mm. but then the rest of it just like, and then what are you doing? Yeah. But the first two steps are you bring up the trauma and you experience the feeling, mm-hmm. and then you sit with it for as long as you can stand it, and then you have a distraction plan. Mm. Like, how, that's not helpful. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean, like, Yeah, because it, it, well, it just trains you to be able to process the intensity. Yeah. And, and yeah. Happens. Mm-hmm. You, you do have to actually sometimes feel the feelings, mm-hmm. at least to some extent. Yeah. But it, yeah, because with pizza. It's always bothering me because I was like, all you're doing is torturing people. Yeah. Yeah, because with PTSD especially, you, you live your life pushing away all of those yeah. feelings. And so to connect with them is the first step to healing. Uh, I, this friend that I was telling you about, um, she actually went to this really, it's a, it's a newer PTSD um, program and she did this counseling and in the counseling they would have you do that and they would have you go back into these situations and then they would tell you to do what you wish you could have done in that moment and so it was really powerful for her because there was one particular moment where she wasn't allowed to leave and she wanted to leave and she wasn't allowed to leave and so the doc- the therapist was like okay so go and she's like what are you talking about she's like well get up and go Give yourself permission to do what you wanted to do. And something broke in her. It's so simple, but it was like, we're talking about major therapy situations. You know, the, most people don't have this kind of stuff. But I, I thought that was so interesting. I've just been in a really, uh, a lot of my ministry actually began with people who were really, really challenged like this and, and lots of, lots of abuse. Not like a one-time thing, but habitual childhood abuse and, and sexual abuse and stuff like that. And so um, I was terrible. This is my, you know, I would not recommend getting into ministry in the way that I did. It was like totally accidental by the people who I just happened to know. You know what I mean? Um, I wish I had had some more training before I was like put, you know, in charge of them, but... Um, or, or, or do you even say it that way? Or, or yeah. Yeah, I, I actually, I think because my, my whole vantage point with God is, is a self-empowerment perspective, like that we, we are the director of what we want from the Lord. He does stand at the door and knock. And so I, I actually tell people a lot, well, let's just give it a shot. I don't know what God's going to do because I'm, I'm not God. In my heart, I'm like, I sure hope you're going to do something, Lord, and I have 99% positivity will you know it's it's not like a it's not a crapshoot it's not like that but I want everybody that is new to this to feel the permission to say this is whacked out man (laughs) 
Because when we don't feel that is when things get really weird and, and there's this element of control and it, it actually hinders your ability to hear what God is doing. So that's what I actually do, especially if I'm talking to somebody for the first time I'm like, um, about this kind of stuff. I'm like, well, why don't, why don't we try this? I've seen this work. Uh, if you tell your testimony, like, because the testimony is a prophetic deposit, right? It's a prophetic word. So that's a great way to open that conversation. Um, I didn't share this, but I've had, you know, uh, like, I don't know, I think it was actually seven years ago uh, right now, we had a baby that we lost at 20 weeks. And I've had several encounters, I'm not gonna go into them tonight, um, they're pretty crazy, where God took me into different places and healed and brought like tremendous closure for what happened with that. And so if I'm talking to somebody that's had a miscarriage, especially someone who's had like a farther along miscarriage or having conversations with a few people who've actually had abortions in their like previous, you know, when they were younger and whatnot, um, when I've told my testimony of what God did for me with this and how he healed this part of me, it's with every single one of them, it's brought them into a place of having their own encounter with the Lord because it put hunger in there. Oh, if you could do it for her, you could do it for me. So if I'm talking to somebody and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of trauma here and they're just brand new to this and they don't have a clue, I'll start with saying, this is like, this is how I say it, you probably heard me say this before, this is like the craziest story, but, and I don't even know how to explain this, but, and I mean, I could explain it, but that's my diffusing tactic, right? Yeah, yeah, lighten the mood, yeah, make it like, take it or leave it, but this is my story, you know, I'm not gonna like go to bat with somebody over, I mean, it's, it's as true to me as the sky is blue, but you don't have to believe that, you know what I'm saying? And so I'll tell them, and, and I'll be in conversations or lunches with people or whatnot, and I'll just say, yeah, this was crazy, I had this encounter with the Lord. Uh, like, here's one, I had an encounter with the Lord, um, or some people say I had a spiritual experience, and I was sitting in my car outside of Michael's at like seven o'clock, no, not that early. I think it was like nine o'clock in the morning. This was years ago. And I was just beginning to practice this kind of stuff in my time with the Lord by myself a lot. And so I'd closed my eyes. I was having like, like a, if we want to get into the technical term, like an open heaven encounter or whatever. Um, and the differences are when we have a vision, the term vision, when you hear people say that, they're usually referring to, like they're aware of the room, but they're also seeing something. So I know I'm right here. I know you guys are all here, but I'm also having this like picture. An open vision would be like, I lost the room. I'm like engrossed in what's happening. I, you know, I forgot you guys were here with me kind of thing. Um, and then an open heaven encounter is like, it really very much feels like you're there. I don't know how, it's kind of like when Paul says in the Bible, are we there or not there? I don't know, but this is what happened, right? I'm like, I get that, Paul, I get that. I don't know what was happening, but it felt like I went somewhere else kind of thing. And so I was having this moment with the Lord where I was sitting in this really beautiful meadow and there was this like stream next to me. And, um, and I, I was talking to the Lord and I felt something go, I physically in my body, felt something go into my heart. And then I heard like this noise, like an audible pop. It was very weird, okay? And, I, and when I heard the pop, I saw God's hand come out of my heart. So I felt something in my heart, then I heard it, and then I saw his hand come out. I was like, what was that? Like, I thought that was the, that at that point was the extreme of the weird things that had ever happened to me. And I'm like, what on earth? And the Lord said, I, I'm removing guilt and shame from you. And I was like, I don't think I have, this is, I'm so, I'm so thick headed. I'm like learning, Lord, gotta stop debating you every time. It's my challenger side, I guess. But um, I was like, I don't think I have guilt and shame, Lord, <laughs> right? And he goes, no, you do because you don't believe you're worthy to be in my presence like this. And I was like, well, I do have that. So yes, I hadn't called it guilt and shame, but yes, I have that. And from that point forward, I never felt that way again. 
I can't explain it to you. I'm not even gonna try. I'm just gonna say something happened in that moment and there was a healing that took place in my heart. So now that I've told you that testimony, now you guys get to go and think, well, wait a second, do I have that with the Lord? How do I feel about it? You know what I'm saying? So that's how it works to say, let me, let me use my testimony as a bridge to open the conversation. And then in the midst of the conversation, it's like, well, hey, why don't we try that right now? Well, hey, why don't, why don't we just ask the Lord to bring up a time that you felt like you, you shouldn't be in his presence, like you did something wrong or you know what I mean, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to, and then you just go through those four steps. Okay, one more, one, one or two more questions, and we'll pray and be done. Anybody? All right, well, let's pray. I'll stick around if you have some uh, for a few minutes. Um, but I just want to wrap up. Yeah, and I want to ask the Lord to give an impartation to you guys that are interested in having an increased awareness and in how to do this kind of stuff, because, ladies, we can set this world on fire, right? I mean, if we can get people whole... <laughs> That's like half the battle. <laughs> so, um, so Lord, we just thank you. I just thank you for a room full of hungry women who want to see you be God in our lives and in the lives of those around us. So I'm asking God for just an impartation of boldness and of the gift of healing and miracles as it pertains to emotional and inner healing and any other direction you want to point that. Lord, we just receive that tonight, a greater level of awareness and a greater level of ministry ability in this. Lord, I'm asking for, for um, boldness as they have conversations with people, but also for boldness to allow their hearts to be vulnerable before you, God, so that you can uh, bring even further and deeper healing into each and every one of us. Lord, I just pray that this would be a room full of, um, that every person in here would find themselves just just effortlessly allowing you to go back to those difficult places and, and speak hope and destiny and life and change the, our perspective um, as you began doing tonight. So we just pray, seal everything up in the blood of Jesus, everything that you were speaking. Lord, let us be able to hold on to it, remember it, anything that wasn't from you, let it just fall by the wayside. And I just bless these ladies to be um, fire starters in every area that you have them in right now. In Jesus' name, amen.